0: Hello Mzanzi, welcome to episode 362 of the Farmer's Inside Track podcast. My name is Duncan Masua and I'm your host for this episode powered by Nedbank. Now biosecurity is a national concern and in this episode we address the critical state of biosecurity in South Africa. John Hudson, the head of agriculture at Nedbank Commercial Banking, emphasizes challenges such as insufficient knowledge about disease transmission, illegal animal movements and a lack of oversight, vaccinations and awareness. John also talks about the absence of a reliable disease control system and how that jeopardizes food safety, agricultural finances and trust between consumers and farmers. John, welcome to 2024. Nice to have you again. Thank you, Duncan. And I certainly hope 2024 is
1: a good year. Our farming sector needs a bit of a break. So best of luck
0: to the listeners and to the farmers. You and me both. We're talking biosecurity, John. Talk us briefly through the state of biosecurity in South Africa and what the challenges are. And probably a good place to start is to take a view or to
1: provide some context around the livestock sector. So animal production or livestock is our biggest sector by subsector. So if you look at it from the gross value of production, livestock, which obviously includes poultry, which is, again, the biggest of the livestock sector, but beef and dairy, sheep and pigs and so on, that accounts for 41% of our total gross value of production. And then field crops and also horticulture are not far behind, but it does paint the picture of the importance of a healthy livestock sector and that's why it's it's really important to view it in that light. The health of this sector going forward and the potential it has to drive growth is massively important for us, and therefore we cannot afford to stumble. And I would almost go as, as far as saying that this is one of the biggest challenges. Biosecurity is one of the biggest challenges we face, and then again, if you look at some of the other challenges we face, and we I really feel for the Western Cape fruit producers who are dealing with the Cape Town port issues. And that's another massive factor. Both of these, of course, if you look at sort of animal production, beef and sheep have not massive in terms of exports, but certainly has been a growing area in terms of exports to foreign markets. And, and about around about 10% of our beef production is now exported. So again, if you look at some of these key factors, biosecurity being one, But then of course, other issues like ports and infrastructure are also important. But certainly today we had to talk about biosecurity and what we have seen over the past 10 years is an increase in the sort of animal diseases. So if we look at the main animal diseases, these are foot and mouth, African swine fever, and also avian influenza, being some of the main diseases that we face. If we go back to around 2009, we saw foot and mouth come to the fore. Again, in 2011, foot and mouth reared its head. But more recently, African swine fever and then avian influenza has really taken hold. And I suppose the best example of the impact this has is the most recent one in the poultry sector where your long-life birds, this is layers, for example, where they about 30 to 35% of the national flock was impacted and therefore there was a shortage in egg supply. This drove egg prices to an all-time high. And there was then again, worry around the availability of day old chicks for both layers as well as broiler production. So these type of impacts as they come through really do have a severe impact on not only our local economy, but also our ability to export. And quite honestly, I think we know that, for example, the foot and mouth free area, a band was, was put in place in 2019, and that has not been lifted as yet. So we're still seen as a foot and mouth disease impacted area. If I do look at what some of the issues are, it really does talk to where government needs to play a meaningful role here. If you really think about it, few countries have had to deal with the disease impact that we've had to deal with in recent years. If you speak to veterinary experts as well, apart from the government infrastructure and the support and the funding and the research that's required and a framework that needs to be put in place, there's a lack of knowledge about diseases, how they are transmitted and how to recognize the symptoms. So that's the awareness that needs to be improved. The movement of livestock. Often this is done in violation of regulations. And not only is this at times illegal, but it it can be irresponsible as well. I mean, you know, the the spreading of the disease has such a massive impact if it takes hold. The lack of state oversight, I've mentioned that. I think vaccination programs and proper awareness is, is being discussed at the moment. But there is so much to be done that requires both government and private sector to work together. I think there's also possibly a lack of response. If you look at the response to the outbreaks and the management thereof and the controls in place, it probably comes down to a lack of capacity, but also coordination and the effect of coordination being led by government. So that is really important as well. Maybe some of the other factors just to mention is that the current protocol is that if there is a disease outbreak on a farm, it does require whether it's birds or livestock to be called, And maybe that is causing problems where farmers are reluctant to report these kind of incidents because it means euthanizing of, of any surviving animals. That's a tricky one to deal with, but you can understand where farmers who are not being compensated, by the way, and that's part of it. I think if the compensation was there, you'd probably see a lot more people been responsible around this. So the state veterinary system as well is hugely under pressure. It's not really that well resourced and then leads to many issues in terms of controlling this disease. And of course, our porous borders don't help. If you listen to the picture I've painted, it points to a lot of disjointedness and uncoordinated approach to dealing with biosecurity. Biosecurity on farm, it's probably one of the very first questions we pose to our clients around sort of disease risk, for example, is what is your buyer's security and how do you deal with it? That is paramount as well, is that when we are dealing with our farming clients, it's at the top of the pile in terms of questions that we ask. I hope you've got the feeling
0: that this is a really, really
1: important topic.
0: John, it's definitely clear that the situation is being driven by various factors, all the factors that you've mentioned. What is the impact of all of this? What has the impact of the situation been on South Africa's agricultural sector? It's a good question. Probably the most obvious impact is what happened
1: towards the end of 2023 from a poultry point of view. That probably explains it in a way that people understand because it really meant that the disease outbreak in the poultry sector, and this impacted long-life birds. And what I mean by long-life birds is that your layers, your birds that produce commercial eggs and also produce fertilized eggs for the broiler breeder business as well. And where you have such a severe outbreak in what was poultry dense areas. So you had concentrations of poultry in Gauteng and other areas like that. Unfortunately, that disease spread and it became very difficult to control. Now the impact there was not only a shortage of eggs, there was a scrambling by people leading up to Christmas to find eggs and so on, but also eggs go into bakery value chain. It's a really important source of protein. And of course, as I did mention, the other spin-off of that was that the availability of day-old chicks, so your fertilized eggs were under pressure, and that meant that there was insufficient day-old chicks to go into broiler houses. So you can see this impact start to take hold, and of course the consumer bears the brunt of that, along with the producer who now might have, and in some cases was 100% you know, wipeout of their production flocks which meant that they had no income whatsoever. And because of the shortage in the supply of Dale chicks, but also pullets or point-of-lay birds, that whole supply chain and that lead time had been severely disrupted. Of course, the government then did allow for the importation of fertilized eggs, and to a degree, that has helped stabilize the situation. But this impact plays out over a long period of time. To give your listeners a feel that the impact is not just short-lived, because Some estimations are that some of the producers of eggs, the farmers, it will take up to almost two years for them to restock completely. And that has a massive impact, not only for the farmer, but then the feed supplier, the veterinary supplier, and the staff that work on the farm, possibly, etc. And if that business closes, well, then we're all losing out, to be honest, including the financiers. So this impact is real. The other impact that I do want to say is that I've already mentioned that this is the biggest subsector in South Africa from an agricultural point of view. 41% of gross value production is livestock and also animal production. It employs around 500,000 people. The linkages that you see, as I've already indicated in the poultry value chain, feed suppliers and so on, it's absolutely massive. So that impact then goes throughout those ecosystems and value chains. And if you think about it in that sense, that's a negative. Positive is, is that if we control the diseases, we explore more export markets, we pull in some of the communal farmers where, especially from a beef and a sheep point of view, where we have a lot of our livestock in those areas, the potential to grow this sector. And if you look at the likes of of BFAB who produce stats for us in terms of what does the future look like, you know, their baseline projections through to 2030 indicate that livestock is an opportunity for growth. But we won't grow unless we get this disease under control. It's unlikely that we're going to get rid of these diseases, but the management of it is going to be so important. So, just another impact, I think it is well publicized, was wool exports to China. Those were closed for a period of time and they have been reopened. So, a lot of our wool exports come from small scale farmers, but also some of the adjoining countries like Lesotho, for example. So, really important that we look at all these factors. Pigs as well, I mean, they've had their challenges with African swine fever. They have managed it well in the past, and because the pigs are in a compartmentalized production area, I suppose similar to poultry, there is the ability to control it in that way. But you will see with pigs, for example, Namibia banned the import of pigs. So we do export pork products to Namibia, and because of the dangers around foot and mouth and their linkages into the European Union, there's a ban in place on pork products. So you can see this throughout the industry where these knock-on effects are really significant. I suppose if you look at it in that sense, again, it just paints a picture we have to deal with this.
0: John, it's definitely quite scary. It could take, we stock up to previous levels when he or she has been hit by biosecurity issues. Of course, there's various players involved. You know, there's government, there's industry, there's private sector. What needs to be done to rectify these challenges, and who are the important role players in that? There are many role
1: players, but if I really narrow it down, I think government is one key stakeholder, and that's pretty obvious. And then the other is the private sector. Within each of those groupings, you have various specialists and people that you would turn to to help you solve this. But you know, the findings from the government-appointed task team that was published earlier this year did highlight some major concerns about the management and also the response to outbreaks i suppose this boils down to a lack of capacity so from a government point of view the capacity issues are really real there seem to be a shortage of resources to really deal with this of course capacity is one thing to then be effective in terms of the framework that you build and how you regain the trust and i think that's another important component that i want to touch on is that building of trust between a government and private sector is just paramount. I think without it, we're going to struggle. And part of that solution could be compensation to farmers where there is culling in terms of animals and birds and so on. Although in saying that, you want the private sector to be responsible and to really lead the charge on this. So I've mentioned a few times, the need for biosecurity at farm gate level is just paramount. If we don't get that right, no matter how good the government regulations and policy and approaches. Then we're not going to win this. So I suppose it points to both parties doing what needs to be done. If I just dwell on this mistrust, it's possibly not only in this in this part of our business. You know, there seems to be unfortunately many examples of this. And if we look at the ports and the lack of efficiency, the lack of progress around maintenance and improving the equipment and so on to deal with with these export volumes coming through. There seems to be this mistrust and maybe at times misunderstanding. And so again, we need to build that. I'm not sure how, to be honest, but it really takes both parties to come together and to understand it. I have no doubt that the private sector, yeah, if you look at some of the veterinary specialists and some of the experts on this, and I'm not by any means an expert on this, but in some of the people I talk to, there is a wealth of knowledge out there and some really good examples and recommendations. So And I really hope that that trust is built up and that communication starts to flow. Another really important part for me is traceability. And traceability and food safety go hand in hand. I think the livestock sector is working on traceability. We need traceability in the sector to ensure food safety. It's really important, I think, not only for our local consumers, but also if you're wanting to export. And that is going to cost money, but I am confident that the private sector would play a massive role in implementing traceability. So that is critical. In the lack of a reliable national disease control system, we are going to continue to flounder. And you know, what is worrying for me is that if we're wanting to solve many of the challenges, and I think agriculture has a massive opportunity to help address many of the challenges we face in South Africa. I mean, if you do look at the employment levels, I think it reached 960,000 now, the latest number, which is an improvement. I'm talking about total agricultural employment in the sector, which I indicated earlier that some 500,000 would be in the livestock sector. That's really part of the puzzle in terms of stimulating the economy to get the growth going and then obviously to provide employment. But as I started out saying, there are many challenges faced, but biosecurity is probably one of the top ones. And so I feel that it is that important that it deserves this type of attention. Therefore, I welcome this type of opportunity to talk about it. As I've indicated, I'm from Nedbank. I'm not a specialist in sort of animal diseases, but we certainly in dealing with our clients, our commercial farming clients, we feel the impact of this and the financial impact. And supporting our clients through the cycle is really important. But as a bank, we also want to know that there's progress being made in terms of biosecurity in South
0: Africa. Thank you, John Hudson. That was, of course, the head of agriculture at NetBank Commercial Banking. You can, of course, read more on this topic by visiting www.foodformzanzi.co.za. That's a wrap for this episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. For me, Duncan Masiwa, our technical producer, Megan Funderfendt, and the rest of hashtag team Foodformzanzi, thanks for listening. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong.